0: Greetings, poddies and welcome to my very new podcast, My Life Not Yours. I'm Tina, and I hope you'll enjoy listening to a bit of banter about my life lessons I've learned along the way. Enjoy. Welcome back. I'm so glad that I'm here again. I haven't had a diva moment thrown down the mic on the floor and thought I'm never going to do this again. To be fair, my first episode... Was released last week, and I had some great feedback about the elephant in the room. So here I am again. This week's episode is all about light bulb moments. Now, some of you may call them revelations, who knows? All in all, I wanted to clarify from my perspective a light bulb moment doesn't necessarily mean that you have to come up with the best idea known to man. For me, I think in the past year, There have been some really interesting revelations, lightbulb moments, whatever you want to call it, that have been really important in shaping my life and existence, I guess, for the past 12 months. So if we start about business, one thing I've learned is so many people have questioned what am I going to do during a crisis because I work for myself. And I think when you have that belief in what you do and why you're doing it, then you need to stay on the track of and not be beholden to people saying, Are you going to be okay, Tina? Are you sure you don't want to go back into full time employment? The fact that probably nobody would have me is a different story. No, I'm only joking. But it's been really important for me in the past five years to start my own thing. And I always wanted to do something for myself and I'll never forget this even applied to having a private number plate on my car. I had to have it. I didn't pay loads of money for it but I did it and it's you know it means nothing to a lot of people but it was just something I wanted. Maybe it's a bucket list thing, I don't know. So when it came to my business I just wanted the freedom from the corporate world And I pissed off some people along the way. I'm quite, I'm not opinionated, but I'm quite direct. And I'll come on to some of this a bit later and the reasons why. And actually, I didn't want to get to the end of the year and have a 360 review and all that kind of stuff. But having my own business coming back to the light bulb moment was being able to say to people, actually, even though we are going through a crisis at the moment, I wasn't bothered. I just pivoted my spending a lot more and actually it's really worked for me. Now, I'm not saying working a couple of days a week can go on forever because bills need to be paid, yo. We're talking mortgage, we're talking whatever. Sometimes I look at my bills and I get really scared about oh my god, do we pay all this just to exist in life. Financial freedom, I'm not saying I want to win the lottery because money causes heartache and problems but if it can make my life a little easier sometimes one of the things i'd have loved in the revelation to me was why have i not worked towards paying off my mortgage when i used to earn pretty decent money that should have been a focus and a goal for me to do and i didn't so actually i know freedom is not having a mortgage if one should own their place of course to to make life a lot easier if I'm honest. So business, another light bulb moment for me with business is you can't just idly go along thinking work is going to come to you, you have to work for it and I think in the last year I've really focused on some goals that I have set but not to be boring about the goals which I think I mentioned Previously, or in another episode, my first episode, obviously, I've only done one. Business to me is about meeting people, collaborating, and making someone happy with the work that I can do for them. I think I've really missed that a lot this year because, you know, I did have some great new clients that came on board at the beginning of March 2020, and for the obvious reasons that we don't have to mention the C word today. That hasn't been able to go forward, but it's allowed me the time to think of what's worked well, what I don't like, what I do like doing, and I still need to find my passion, I believe, in work and have the balls to actually try something and if it doesn't work, try again, but at least know that I've tried. I'm doing a lot more of that now and Some of it's going to be not money-making, which I think is a really good balance to have. There's some stuff I want to do in the community, and I've had loads of ideas for that. Perhaps not so much about making loads of money, but however, I am okay. Another area for me has been friends. And I think during the last few years, this has been going on a while, this has been going on longer than a year, and it relates back to a detachment in my earlier life. My circle has shrunk, and I think in the in the words of Paul Bronson, who is a fantastic relationship coach, entrepreneur, amongst other things, you must listen to his podcast, it's important to protect your space and your energy. And I think for a long time, having loads of people meant everything. I mean, having loads of people around you. And I think as we grow up through... Being a teenager and and things like that, I know for certain there were different circles of people that I had. I had my athletics crew because I used to compete, and then I had my normal friends, which were only normal when I wasn't training. And there were a lot of people I knew, and I'll never forget somebody saying once if me and another friend of mine didn't know somebody, then they weren't worth knowing, which is just a load of rubbish really but it was true. I think for me a revelation was I was doing a personal development course probably about five years ago and it was doing this circle of life and where you define friends versus acquaintances versus wishy-washy whoever they are type people and I realised that actually I haven't got loads of friends, I have acquaintances, Plus, I know a lot of people and I think sometimes we need to determine what does a friend really mean to you? And I've lost a lot of friends over the years through actions that I'm not proud of, if I'm honest. But one thing I also know is that I don't want to dwell on the past. It's all about the future and moving forward. So now people that come into my life, they might not necessarily be a friend. And let's face it, some people come into your life for a reason and maybe a season and then they disappear. But one thing I am really, really uh, clear on, I can't have anybody sapping my energy. And I have a great example of someone that I used to hang out with for years, uh, I would say, in my early 30s. And we used to have a lot of fun and stuff like that. But I realised that this particular person had so many issues going on and it was draining. And whilst people have said to me, Tina, you're the carer and connector and so forth, I don't think I realised how much drain it has when somebody has got this going on in their life and this is not right and they're fighting for this and they're fighting for that and you empathise. And I've done all of that and some But I just don't keep vocalising it because we have to move forward. And I do understand it takes a lot of strength and resolve to move forward and seek the positives. And I think that's what I've always been proud of myself through whatever life has really thrown at me. I know I'm being protected in some way. We can't always manage to find things out just by having this inner resolve, which we may not have. I think when it comes to friends, they show you the type of person you are by the type of people that you have around you. I'm sure you'll agree with that. And I've had some shit. I'm sure people think I'm shit. I know to this day that I have so many, you know, they say, okay, they say you shouldn't have regrets, but I do have regrets if I'm honest. There's people that I have really upset and pissed off and they will come to me in my dreams, in my meditation and all I can do is just say that was an experience in life and I will move forward with that. And I think it comes again from my um, childhood. So if you remember, I talked about parental dislocation. So that parental dislocation actually meant I was living in different homes with different people for most of my baby stroke child years. It was an interesting time because um, you know you move from family to family, from home to home and you don't really have any roots and anybody that comes into your space you just want them to be your friend. I used to buy my friendships, I used to do anything to have friends when I was young Because I was never anywhere long enough to forge decent relationships. And to be honest, that has had an impact in my adulthood. And now, what I have learned to do is accept that I could meet someone tomorrow, and it doesn't mean they have to be my best buddy or a friend. It could just be a conversation, an interaction, or an engagement. Whatever way we want to phrase that, that sounded a little bit too corporate for my liking, but you get the drift. And so I think when I was younger, I don't think, I know, friends were important to me, but I just wasn't anywhere long enough to be able to forge these relationships. And it was really funny that I remember this distinct um, experience I had in one primary school, just to give you some context. I went to seven primary schools by the age of nine. I think it was seven at least. Imagine that. You make friends, you're torn away. You make friends, you're torn away. You make friends, you're torn away. So not only is there some kind of parental dislocation, I was being isolated and dislocated from what it feels like now is society. I didn't have a chance to forge who I was. And that brings me back to my life was being controlled by others. So this is why the podcast is my life, not yours. And so I remember going back to what I was saying, I digressed a little bit there, I'm sorry. This maths teacher, and it's funny, I can picture her now. She was quite tall. She had long brown hair. I can't remember her name. It's so annoying because it's gone. But you know, I tried to forge this relationship with her that was beyond a teacher. I wanted her to be my friend. And she had so much patience for me in the classroom. It was unbelievable. And then guess what happened? She left the school. And I was absolutely devastated. I cried, I cried, and I cried. And I think I was willing to make friends with anybody that would talk to me. And they weren't always good people. Some of them were bad. And I think for me, there was a really big lesson to be learned there and a revelation, light bulb moment, that not everybody is going to be your friend and not everybody is put in front of you is supposed to be your friend. So now that I've done friends to death, we're not quite, because I think this is a whole other episode. You know, what do friends look like for you? Would your friends lay down and die for you? And I'll never forget that there were two friends as well for me that when I got stuck in the Caribbean one year and I was on the phone literally in tears, they sorted everything out. Not sure if there are people now in my life that will do that. I think there are but you don't know you never know until you're in certain situations how friends reveal themselves and it's an interesting take another revelation for me that obviously you can hear about the parental dis- dislocation my favorite phase it will it will be left out at some point i promise is family now friends can be your family but i'm talking about blood family And it's been a light bulb moment for me in the past, I'd say, five years. As I went to visit Jamaica to try and find out who my family really were and what they came from, that my family is absolutely rotten to the core. Pretty much non-existent. And I've had to really, really come to terms with that, which has been difficult. So I've grown up with not fake families or people, but they haven't been my blood family. And I think within that, you are trying and you're searching to find your identity. And you have to get really comfortable with the uncomfortable. One thing I've therefore learned to do is be comfortable with my own company and learn to really love myself. And that is hard work. Imagine that you've got no real relationship with your mother, And then your mother hasn't really got a relationship with the family. You're trying to trace who the hell is your family and no one wants to talk or do anything. So friends over the years and now have become my family. And I think the lesson learned here is just because you have family doesn't mean to say that you have to like them. And it's taken a long time for me To admit that, people ask me, how many brothers and sisters do I have? And I remember at one point, I never used to say anything. I couldn't even be bothered because there was nothing really special to say. And I don't really have any relationships with them. Um, Unfortunately, my brother is deceased. He died many, many years ago. And then my two sisters we don't really speak, we don't have anything in common. Are you supposed to have anything in common with your family, your sisters or something? I remember there was an innate jealousy for me when I heard friends talk about going out with their siblings or even now, even the other day, I saw a friend or an acquaintance or someone I just know paying homage to their sister and how great they were and stuff and sometimes still it does get me that I can't do that and I don't have that not even cousins or anything like that but now I have got comfortable being it's me yeah and I was brought into this world maybe family wasn't supposed to be around me from the blood perspective but there have been other people that have been influential and special in my life it's funny because from very young I think I was a young black nomad always on the move and it's so lovely now but in my adult years, I've been settled in the same home since 2002. And I was really proud to have bought my own home. But in terms of the young nomad, being black in a very white neighborhood, I lived in the countryside. I was the only black face for miles around. And if you saw another black face, it was like, whoa who is that? And I think for me, growing up in an area where you didn't, I didn't find people that looked like me was quite weird. And it was somewhat alien in a way. And I think I had to learn to be comfortable being in my own company because I was torn from so many people and yet I was a social bunny. I was so excited to be around people but there were times when I just want to run and hide. Now the thing is in my adult life especially during this lockdown period I haven't felt lonely at all. I haven't felt the need to be on a Zoom call every every night and so there is something that's played from my childhood that I think a lot of people could actually learn from. How do you amuse yourself? And let me tell you something, I have a very strict routine for myself which, is, which has been a lifesaver in terms of I told you about my rituals before but also I don't sit and watch television all day or anything like that. I really do read to empower myself and learn and I think all these things that must have happened in my childhood, some of them have pulled through, whether I was locked up in my room, or told to go to my room, or you couldn't play with other children, or something has given me this inner resolve to actually do well for me by myself. It hasn't always been easy, because there's times when I've craved wanting to be around people, I may not get an invitation or I feel that I've got to be the one that's phoning people to come out and do something with me. And again, a revelation for me is going forward, especially when we come out of this restrictive period in our lives, is if you want to do it, you have to go out and do it. That being said, do you really want to do things on your own all the time? Mm -mm, Not really. But I have questioned certain people that I've come into contact with and they are always around others. They cannot be on their own. It's almost like it's a travesty if they are not doing something with somebody, someone's not in their home or they haven't got a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I find it slightly weird. And I don't think I'm an introvert because, yes, I do love spending time on my own and I am a bit of a social bunny, too. I don't know. It's it's really weird. And I really would welcome how some of you feel about that. And, you know, the other thing is that I met a couple of people who have said that the lockdown has changed their life. They were in the fast lane all the time, always out, always socialising, doing this, that and the other. And actually, they've just had to slow the fuck down and just be comfortable. There are other people that when the floodgates open and we're allowed to go out again are just going to be all over it. I mean, that you won't see them for dust. And actually, I'm mentally preparing myself because I think I've become a bit institutionalized in my own home about going back out into the big wide world and trying to get social again, if I can. Who knows? I may not be able to. The past is the past and cannot be changed. And For me, it's all about the future. So one of the things that I have had the massive light bulb moment with in the last year is owning my truth. And it's funny, I came into contact with somebody last year that kept saying, I'm owning my truth, I'm owning my truth. And I thought, what does that really mean? And actually, it's been one of the bravest things I've ever done and it has set me free. By that I mean talking about my life in the care system that didn't really give a shit if I'm honest. I've never really spoken about it because I don't want the sympathy and the oh Tina you've done so well. I have just got on, there have been so many people that are in a worse situation that, that I was ever in and I think if you can learn from those experiences, bring that into a life that you feel comfortable with and more importantly are happy with, then that's great. Yes, there's been some shit and I know that I've upset people and I've tried to forgive myself and I have forgiven myself. Others probably haven't and just see me as some whatever they see me as. But there has been a reason and actually being able to own my truth, evaluate that, I've given myself some tough love you know, admitting what am I really like am a person, How do people perceive me and I remember meditating one day and having this almost out of body experience to really understand what was going on, whether it's communications. you know I've been told on more on more than one occasion how direct I am and how strong my words come out because I've got a strong voice, and sometimes. I just have to learn to soften it and think about the other person who's receiving that communication. Don't we all try and do that? Maybe not. You know, some people are so unaware of themselves. But I remember when I was having therapy at one point, um, just to deal with my past life. And I remember the person saying, you really do want to develop yourself. And Tina, you have been to see me twice and I think I only need to see you one more week. And it was my proudest moment and I cried tears because I do take on criticism. Well, actually, no, I'm not very good at criticism. I'm not going to lie. What I do take on is if I need to try and improve things in my life, I will do it to no end. Criticism, hmm, depends on who's delivering it, but it hasn't been easy, especially in workplaces. But anyway, knowing who you are, and some again would say she's funny, she can be scathing, but the biggest one, I'm a bit scary. Thanks mum, because I really do have the resting fucking bitch face. And that really pisses me off. And I think it was a very rare occasion that I went to visit my blood mother about two years ago and she came down the stairs to answer the door because it's a flat, so the kitchen's at the bottom, you walk up some the stairs. And when I saw her standing there, and I just said, is everything all right? And she said, why? I said, your face looks like someone's just slapped it to kingdom come. <laughs> and I just thought, pot calling kettle, Tina. How many times have, have people said, you are a little bit scary? and And probably because I pull people up, When I go to restaurants, the customer service is a bit shite. And last year when we came out of lockdown, I was out on a date and the guy said, stop getting aggy with the bloody waitress, Tina. I know the place is a little bit grubby. I know it's taking ages, but think of the poor girl. And I just thought, yeah, but they're going to charge us a lot of money and expect a tip. I don't know. Sometimes I do just blow it and I just need to just calm that shit down. But I'm telling you, so I'm acknowledging it. How many people do that? But it is kind of funny because I'm not really scary. And I think the thing that I'm learning is you have to learn to adapt and particularly me soften. But I'm not going to change who I am, but I will own my truth. And so here we are. I've talked about revelations. And as I said, my revelation for this whole thing is owning my truth. You've got a little bit more into my background and there'll be lots more that comes out. But if you can own your own truth, let me tell you, it's a lovely feeling. And for me now, it's to preserve my energy because I'm quite spiritual and I don't really have to be in people's company for the sake of it. And sometimes I just really don't want to be in people's company. But owning my truth has been the thing this year that has really set me free. And a big thanks to Mark Shaler, who is a great person that I met at this members club. And I don't know how we got into it, but we started talking about my life. And I just found myself opening up to him. And I've really kept my background in the closet for a number of years, just releasing that to him. And he was the one who encouraged me to get it down on paper. Well, actually, I recorded it. So here I am. Anyway, I am going to close this for now and save some for another episode. I hope you've enjoyed and I look forward to coming back and speaking with you again.